Welcome to BimmerCast number 58. It is January 1st, 2012. We are back early this year, obviously, to talk about uh, the next sort of next couple months and, and what's up next for the BMW brand. We've got, of course, the Detroit show, which we'll be covering live next week. We've got Geneva coming up shortly after that, a couple months later. We're going to be talking about M for 2012 this episode as well and kind of breaking down what is coming either this year or next apps BMW apps we're going to look at what is on offer what potentially is in the pipelines and if we'll see a android version ever and then finally we're going to touch on BMW i and more specifically the i8 we've seen some some camouflage test mules starting to roam about and they look a little different so let's let's uh, dive into that as well stay tuned New Year, Gabe. Yeah, happy New Year to you. It's 2012, and I think what our resolution was to do more shows. So I think we're here pretty early and fulfilling that request. I can't believe we're <laughs> filling a, a New Year's resolution, as it were. Yeah, already. So uh, it's been it's been about a week or so since we did our last show. Obviously, we we did we talked a lot about 2011, and uh, we we summed up some of our favorite cars, some of our favorite drives. But really, this show is going to be all about. 2012 and what we're going to be seeing over the next 12 months and beyond and really you know this of course is a really quiet time for news as bmw gears up for the detroit auto show um and i think that's probably where we should start really that's going to be the first thing out of the gate over the next few weeks we know that bmw north america will be showing off the new three series and that's going to be the official public unveiling of the three series you're going to see the 328i and the 335i in in a bunch of different flavors and um, anything else, Michael? What else should we expect at Detroit? Well, you'll get to see the ferocious BMW M5. Mm. Okay. Good point. Good point. The M5 is um, has made its U.S. debut already, but you can't really ever see it enough. Um, the M5 is going to be sitting on the stand with the only other M car, the M3, I imagine. Yeah, because that's all BMW has in the U.S. Realistically, is yeah. the I mean, unless M- you count the X5 and 6M, which which I think we do, but they're a little bit different. Yeah, they're definitely different vehicles, but um, we will also see the i3 and the i8. If you know people haven't seen those yet, they're going to be shown in concept form. They're pretty much making their rounds. So you've got, of course, the, all the all the press attention is going to be on the new three series. I mean, this is a car that is, I mean, very clearly along with the five series, BMW's bread and butter. This is the car that they sell, you know, just thousands and thousands a month and uh, worldwide. And you know, it's a, it's a car that I think is if you if you want to think of an icon for BMW, this is it. Yeah, and. 
they've done a little bit of a change to how they're marketing the three series with these new lines. You have, yeah. you know, sport line, modern line, and luxury line. So that's going to be a, a bit of a change for buyers and you know, order cars. And you know, there's a lot of uh, baggage going with that, but there's also a lot of cool stuff that goes with that, such as inter interior tweaks, exterior design elements that are only available on, you know, the specific models, which is really going to be interesting. So at Detroit, you should see, I would imagine the three of those cars side by side, so you can compare and contrast them. Probably not the M Sport, which will be, of course, a separate line. One of the things that I found interesting is the in the UK they're not even offering the the Sport line. They're only offering the um, what is it, the luxury, modern, and M Sport on the three thirty five. Yeah, with the three twenty D in certain European markets, you can get a Sport. With the lower, you okay. get with the the lower output engines, um, but with the three thirty five, for example, yeah, the UK doesn't allow you to get a sport pack. They want you to do the M Sport there. You know, each market is different. And, you know, they they go towards their demo or however they want to mm -hmm. you know push a product, and and that's what they see fit in that market. Um, Germany has some similarities with that as well, uh, how they're packaging M Sport and how they're packaging these other these other cars as well. Um, that's really interesting. So, yeah, and then the you know realistically, Gabe. Honestly, I hate to say this, but where BMW uh, AG kind of got this idea was from BMW North America, because mm -hmm. um, BMW North America was the only uh, entity, I guess you could say, that actually had a sports package. Uh, Europe didn't have a sports package. They had the M Sport kit, mm -hmm. and the U.S. had a separate sports package, you know, with different bumpers and actually the European version of the M Sport suspension, and they just called it. Sports package, and in it's the always US. it's been like that for a long time in the U.S. I mean, you could trace that back to, um, I mean, I'm thinking of the '80s, really. I mean, thinking of the, of course, the 535 IS and the 325 IS, getting into the E36 and the E34 5 Series. They, you know, BMW NA has uh, really pushed the sport package for quite a long time. But I, I do think that. You know, you do have elements of that outside the M Sport package as well in certain European markets. Um, I just, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Michael, but I don't think that's ever been, to your point, marketed as a sports package. It was almost like <clears throat> certain options, like the blackout, you know, trim, for instance, came with with certain sort of options and certain sort of like configurations. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the U.S. market, the sport kit had a little bit of a different front bumper and other. You know, tweaks like that, different wheel package, you know, different wheels were in that former sports package. And in Europe, they didn't do anything like that. I mean, it was M Sport or pick and choose at your liking. You know, it was kind of uh, a free for all mm -hmm. up, up until M Sport, where you, you know, you did get the different bumpers, you get the different wheels and, and everything like that. Uh, but they've kind of toned it down a notch, and the sport package is now uh, a global thing with this sport line. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, for better or for worse, it's it's going to be there. And uh, so the sports package. So if I'm if I'm a shopper who I don't listen, I don't I don't. Of course, I read BM, you know, Bimmer file all the time, but maybe I haven't been paying attention. I walk into my BMW dealer in February and go to order a three series and just say, listen, I just want the sports package and navigation. Can I? Get oh, that? you you can't do that. No. No, you can't do that, Gabe. Um, so what am order. I going to be forced? Using air quotes here, forced to buy. Oh, you're being forced into, depending on if you do a 335 or a 320, uh, 328, depends on, you know, like the 
power seats, for example, would be part of a 335 and not necessarily part of a 328. But you're basically being forced into leather and styling cues such as the dash. Um, mm -hmm. The dash is going to have a red stripe across it. Or uh, you can either get aluminum or black or, you know, there's, it, it's a little bit more limited than it was in the past mm -hmm. as far as, you know, catering to your specific wants. And we talked about that. I mean, I, I'd mentioned that I think that, that part of that is also for dealers just to build up inventory. So it's a simple ordering process. Let's at least hope so. But you know, I think, I think the big thing for me as a, as a potential three series shopper is, you know, I, I'm not, let's say I'm a normal average three series owner who gets a sports package you know i get the sports package and maybe the premium package and and now i think some of the big turnoffs for me if if i can't check off the sports package I, i'm forced into the sports line well that's fine but what if i don't like that red stripe or what is it red or blue uh blue would be m sport oh so it's it's always red then yes so i could i could end up i could literally get a a brown, I could get a Havana 335, a brown 3 Series, and when I open the door and see my black leather, I will have a red stripe on the dash. That is a possibility, Gabe. Um, I cannot quote you on the specifics of the U.S. market. Um, I know in Europe there are limitations to what colors, for example, you can choose on mm -hmm. a sports package car. So I'm not necessarily sure if off the top of my head without digging well, deep into this. I mean, looking in Europe right now, and I mean, I'm just taking a quick look at the, the configurator. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty much everything. I mean, sports package has got... You know, it's got liquid blue, it's got Havana. Sports blue. line, yeah. Sports line, sorry, sorry. Sure. Slip of the tongue, I don't know why, but... <laughs> um, yeah, you've got, you know, you've even got the dark blue, the imperial blue. Um, so, yeah, there's there's quite a bit of different colors there that would, con you know, theoretically call, wreak havoc with a red line in the middle of my dash. Yeah, the big concern I have, honestly, is the modern line. Mm -hmm. And my concern with the modern line is, is you have basically two color choices on the interior. You have oyster or black. And no matter what color you choose, the top of your dashboard is that tan color and your steering wheel is tan. So literally, if you choose a black leather interior for the modern line, you're going to have a tan steering wheel and a tan dashboard. Well, that's modern, Michael. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure it is. No, I sure. Yeah, and the steering I, column, the steering column is always black. It's going to be interesting. I think one of the things that that BMW has learned, um, they probably, you know, one of the things they've done with Mini, for instance, is they've given people an enormous amount of flexibility, and they've also ended up with some cars that, frankly, are oddly spec'd out. Now, those are only spec'd out typically because they're special ordered, and I imagine that a lot of BMW, or I should say many dealers have gotten very used to sort of steering folks away from the, you know, exterior green with the interior red. But that said, if a customer wants it and they throw down a $3,000 deposit for it, it's hard to argue against it. Yeah, you're absolutely right until it shows up at the dealer and they say, oh, I don't want it. You know, that's, right. I guess, a big difference between Europe and the United States, too. I mean, if you order a car here, you're forced with that car. Mm -hmm. Well, so... So basically what you're saying is if, if I want the old sports package, I'm going to be getting what they call the sport line. Now, you know, I'm looking at the configurator on the international side. Of course, the U.S. version will be going up um, for a little while longer. And there's the standard model. And it looks to me, and of course, looks can be deceiving, but 
it looks to me that exterior-wise, everything is identical. The only difference I'm seeing here is the front bumper does not have little elements of chrome trim. So if I look at the sport line, there's one kind of chrome trim. If I look at the modern line, luxury line, there's others. It, am I wrong to think that it's it's actually the same bumper with just different pieces of chrome trim snapped in? Wow, Gabe, you completely nailed it. <laughs> am I wrong? You no, you're you're absolutely 100% correct. And, uh, you know, not too many people have picked up on that little bitty information, a little bit of information there. But, yeah, it's exactly the same. The the finishing elements, such as, you know, the, the chrome trim or the what do you want to call it? The honeycomb mm-hmm. plastic. It's all, it's just all an insert. And the only difference is the insert within that front bumper cover. So basically an insert with trim that probably clicks into it. So, so that's, so could you buy a base model and say, put sport trim in it? Sure. Gabe, you could okay. do that. And then, so, so theoretically, if I get a base model though, I have no, do I have the ability to buy for instance, like the M suspension? I wouldn't see how you would be able to do that uh, just because BMW has in the past realistically um, sold their suspension by um, specific bid numbers. In other words, you know, well, depending on your options and all that, there's 10 well, different spring rates and all right, that Right, but what I'm saying is because we know that there's the M variable, uh, the, basically the M suspension is an option, the adaptive yes. M suspension is an option. You know, in some markets, and maybe in the U.S., maybe not, I could walk in there and buy the standard model, uh, 328, for instance. You know, maybe I'll get the 19-inch wheels, maybe not. But I can option the adaptive M suspension and maybe leave everything else alone. And I walk out the door with a a, a well-balanced, pretty bare-bones 3 Series. Yeah, depending on the market, absolutely. And in some markets, you can order sports seats. The U.S. doesn't appear to be one of those markets. That's a shame. I, I will say, and we said it in the past, there are a few. There are a few options that I think are absolutely mandatory on uh, BMWs, and, and one of those is sports seats. I will not buy a car if it doesn't have sports seats, unless I have a pair of sports seats in my garage I'm about to put in it. Yes, and the other interesting fact, Gabe, that I don't think I've actually discussed is that the uh, 3 Series now has uh, seatbelt pretensioners which on the racetrack is fun. Really? So that's interesting. Yeah. So they definitely, uh, they suck you in really, really nice and tight when you're, when you're either hard braking or hard cornering. They're, they're fun. It's, it's cycled down from, you know, the seven series, the six Mm -hmm. series, the five series. And now the the three series finally has seatbelt pretensioning. So I'm wondering if, if the Schroth harness is going to become even more handy. It may, it may. So, Except for it may snap you in half. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to find out. Somebody else will find out for us. Yes. Um, so, I mean, as far as as far as the three series goes, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that you know. We're we're obviously we're about to get these cars. Um, Michael, you've driven it. I'm going to go out and drive it at the end of this month in um, at Laguna Seca and around Monterey. And for all intents and purposes, this sounds like a fantastic car. In fact, I would say, it, for my money, the 328 is the car to get. I mean, you've got a four-cylinder engine that does fantastic MPG, but also zero to 16 under six seconds. Yes, and Gabe, I'm looking forward to seeing what BMW performance comes with comes with that as well, because it is a turbo, so realistically, <laughs> they can do some fun stuff with software mm-hmm. in-house, 
uh, and you don't necessarily need to go to a third-party turbo tuner. Well, even if they just eke out, and I mean, you know, 240 is the listed horsepower. Even if they just eke out 260, you know, you've got yourself a car that does great. Again, great MPG. Uh, it's lighter. The front end is lighter. It's exactly where you want less weight. And now you've got, you know, the performance that with the turbos is 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 pretty incredible. I mean, think about the old 330 with 260 some odd horsepower with that uh, inline six with, you know, Michael, you had just reviewed that car actually uh, in a sense with the wagon you reviewed earlier. And um, I think that to me is a good example of the numbers really don't tell the, the full story because the 328 with 240 horsepower is likely quite a bit faster and, and, and just much more immediately quick than the old 330 with even more horsepower. Yeah, no, absolutely it is. And that's kind of why it was a bit, depressing for me to, to drive that motor but uh, these new motors are sensational the i think the big thing you're going to see gabe with the the three series is uh people seeing it in the flesh are really going to appreciate how it looks rather than you know just online pictures once again it's bmw not fo photographing well and being displayed on the internet unfortunately you know a lot of people complain about the new nose taking a dive and how low it is and and all that but in in real life it's wide and it looks it looks aggressive and it, it really does look fantastic well and i've got to i've got to just expect that once you get the um the chrome off that grill especially in m sport mode that is going to be one aggressive looking car oh yeah all black and no chrome there yes yeah. it will yeah, yeah absolutely That's uh, and I mean, we, you know, we're, we're complaining about the ordering process. I, I personally do believe it's going to change at some point, perhaps 2000 or well, 2013 model year, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, for all, this is a this is potentially a fantastic car. I mean, BMW typically will move the game on every time they produce a new car. And, and I think to some degree. You know, we've seen them stumble from time to time, uh, especially with initial quality issues. Of course, you're thinking about the even the initial E60 when it came out, or uh, you know, the the seven series was at the E63 when it no it was E63 or 65. Seven series was uh, the E65. E65. So back I mean, in 2000, yeah. You know, there there are always little stumbles here and there, um, but you know, you think about like the E46 and what a game changer that was compared to the E36. I feel like this is kind of akin to that. I feel like we're seeing the three series not necessarily get dramatically larger or, you know, it's just, a, it, it seemingly is going to be a much better car. It's a more modern product. It's, it has very little downfalls minus the steering, to be honest with you. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I mean, I really, I really am. The, the one caveat to all that is, is the, the hybrid version of the three series will be called the three series act, you know, active hybrid three series. Mm -hmm. and, and that's coming in the fall later on, um, mm -hmm. this coming fall, this, the real system in that, from that car, the drivetrain is going to be displayed in Detroit in the active hybrid five. And the active hybrid five is something that we are going to get behind the wheel, um, soon. soon. And uh, I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm not always a firm believer in, hybrid vehicles but this is bmw's first real take on a hybrid this is the first one where engineers bmw engineers have actually and, and correct me if i'm wrong but really taking a look at this as a clean sheet really yeah i had the privilege of talking to uh, the head of the 
Active Hybrid 3 program, and he specifically told me that the the, the, the 3 Series was the target for this uh, drivetrain. So the Active Hybrid 5 is getting it sooner, mm-hmm. but the 3 Series guts, as it were, like the, uh, the high drive system and all that other stuff is tuned, was designed from the get-go to have a hybrid drive, where the Active Hybrid 5 is not necessarily as um, interwoven, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. Um, the drivetrain is pretty much identical, um, and what they wanted to do was to get four-cylinder economy with six-cylinder six power. That sounds very familiar because, I mean, thinking about what BMW has done in the past, well, specifically with the their other hybrids, and I know that that's not a litmus test for what's to come, but it's not necessarily all about efficiency. It's about performance. Yeah, it's it's a combo. Um, you know, they they really wanted to develop something that could run only on electric, which they are, they're doing with this. It has a range of about two and a half miles, top speed on electric only of 37 miles an hour, mm-hmm. um, and also using the N55 motor. So it's a turbocharged hybrid. Interesting. That's very interesting, actually. So... I, again, I think the, the the 2012 is going to be really the year of the three series, and we're going to see them everywhere. and And I agree with you, Michael. Um, this is this is going to be a very attractive car, especially especially in darker colors. I mean, from what I've seen so far, and in, in real photos, not press photos, the the darker colors, the grays, the blacks, things like that. The car looks just utterly fantastic. It's aggressive. It's a lot more aggressive than that I think a three series has come from the factory, from the, you know, from the original non LCI, non life cycle impulse than before. Right. You know what I mean? Usually when you get the LCI, everything gets a little bit more aggressive mm-hmm. and more modern from, from the factory, from the get go. It's, it's pretty aggressive and, and looks really good. Uh, yeah. The other car I'm, you know, interested in seeing coming out, Soon, uh, you know, we're, we're not too far from Geneva. Geneva is the first week of March this year. And we should be in attendance of that fine, fine show um, is the M6. So the M6 is, and from what I've heard, we'll see that as a convertible. Is that, is that what you've heard as well? Yes, that's what I've heard as well. We'll, we'll see the convertible first just same sort of way they launched the base car you know Mm -hmm. they launched the convertible first and then three months later out came the coupe so i'm kind of scared actually of the m6 because we've already had to eat our words once on the uh 650 and the 640 coupe which which you and i both very independently loved and we've always talked kind of trash about the m6 as well i have a feeling the m6 M6 was trash the (laughs) m6 was trash i have a feeling that the m6 is going to be utterly amazing yeah, Gabe, I'm a little nervous to be honest with you. I have to have one car I dislike. <laughs> well, there's always keeps the 5GT. I know that keep keeps me going. The 5GT, I think, is. I mean, that you know, we reviewed it and didn't. I like the 5GT. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I mean, if you look at it now, you throw 20 inch wheels in the M Sport package. It it sort of looks not ungainly, but um, you know I what? It might agree. be Gabe. It might be the you know we have the X1 coming in the fall. You always have that to hate. We always have the X1 we can hate. So yeah, I haven't driven it yet, so I can't necessarily comment, but uh, I have a feeling that... 
It's an E91. It's a three series wagon on steroids with a little bit of uh, cosmetic uh, makeup. Yeah, we'll do that here and there. Well, I think the M6 is going to be interesting. And, and of course, uh, you know, we make fun of the previous M6, but the reality is it had a great engine. And I have to say that um, I had a chance last week to take a very low mileage six speed M5 out for an afternoon. And I had never driven the six speed. It's a lot of work. Well, it is. It's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. So one interesting story about that is this is uh, apparently not updated with the latest software because it, you could not defeat the, the traction control entirely, which from my understanding is they finally did update the software to allow for that very late in its production run. On the manual. On the manual, correct. So this was a manual, and it, uh, it hadn't been started up in about mm, week, week and a half, so let it idle and... It was it was a little grumpy. Um, it was a it was a cold day. It was maybe like mid thirties or so, but you know, still no precipitation whatsoever. So I took it out, warmed it up. It was almost totally warm, and I got on it a little bit. And uh, the two things happened that that shocked me. The first thing that happened that shocked me was the unbelievable ability of that engine to rev, and and hit the red line and bounce off of it like a race car. Um, shocking. I wasn't prepared for it. I, I really, really wasn't. I mean, I was prepared for it to rev and, and, and go to redline, but I wasn't prepared for it to, to do it that fast. And then the other thing that shocked me was the fact that the traction control was not turned off despite, despite every button being, you know, in the sort of the off mode. And I totally forgot that they had limited the car in that way. So, um, while my, while my, my, my gorgeous, um, drift out of a corner was not bad. It, it certainly was a little truncated. Yeah, that um, you know that that motor is is nice. It it's is nice, okay. but here's the other thing that happened right after that. You have to rev it, Gabe. Oh, it was fun, and I revved it. But here's the other thing that happened. I immediately was greeted by an an engine light, which basically said, you know, well, limp mode. Excuse me, excuse me, sir. I am now in limp mode. Thank you very much. I hate you. Yes, I hate you. Get out of the car right now in a in a thick German accent. So, I mean, it, you know, that's the thing. It was about nine tenths warmed up, and I hadn't quite hit the full ten tenths. Uh, so I, I turned it off, sat, turned it back on. It had, had warmed up at that point, and it went uh, out of limp mode. Everything's fine. But it's funny that you know that 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 engine. I mean, electronics in that car really protects the engine pretty successfully, obviously, but. But uh, very overtly. Well, the yeah, very similar to the, with the M3, with uh, you know the rev, the rev limiter increasing as the car warms mm -hmm. up, and I mean it pretty much dumps those motors dump fuel like just straight into the engine to get them warm to warm the cats up. So it hits emissions. It was probably an emissions code. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, my sure. my M3 is notorious for throwing emissions codes if I don't let it warm up. Well, that's uh, one of the it, cool things about that engine. The, I mean, think of the M3. I've ha I've have more experience, and I know you do too, with that that V8 and the M3. And I I love even on a on a moderately cold day in the fifties. How when you start it up, it's it's rumbly, and you know it, it the, the revs are pretty high initially. Yeah, it doesn't like being cold. It really dislikes cold, and yeah. it's probably you know partly it's it's due to tolerances. They're they're really uh, fine watch crafted motors rather than you know just mass produced things I mean, but you know what's interesting though my 1m when i started up in the morning 
it, it doesn't quite have the same qualities, of course, as that V8, but it, it starts up in a very high rev as well. And I've never seen an N54 engine do that outside of this, uh, the, the 1M. I'm, I'm not sure. That's, that's an interesting point to make, actually. Yeah, and, and it's the uh, same thing with the, the press car 1M I had for a week as well. So, yeah, I, I don't know if that's M's. I mean, obviously, if, if it is only with the 1M, M is the, you know, the reason for it. I don't know if it's, it's, it's their sort of like signature, you know, they want it to, or if there's a specific reason for it. I, you know, they knows? want you to burn more fuel so emissions are better. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Gabe, we have the i3 and the i8. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, we're going to be seeing the i3 and the i8, of course, in Detroit. I'm sure they'll, they'll trot them around to every auto show for 2012. But, but what we have seen that's interesting is this new camouflaged i8 test mule. Yeah, Brenda Pretty & Co. From, uh, has, has been selling some photos to the folks at Road & Track. And uh, these blue, they're, it's a different color, by the way, these yeah. swirls. Notice that. That's, maybe that's the, uh, the I, BMW I swirl, the official that's swirl. That's the BMW. Well, the BMW I logo is blue. So, you know, yeah. maybe, they're co- maybe they're coordinating their swirls. But you know, <laughs> these, these new swirls are, are bright blue. And minis is what? Yellow, right? Yes. Yellow and black. That's good yellow, yellow and black. And then BMW is the black and the white. But, so these new swirled cars, um, the I8 in particular has these new doors, Gabe, mm-hmm. and these new mirrors. Yeah. And they look nothing like the prototypes, the so, uh, concept cars. And that's one of the things that we had <laughs> we had talked about, and BMW designers and engineers have said, there's going to be more on this car that makes production than you expect. And, of course, one of the things that we always immediately asked is, well, what about those glass doors? I mean, that seems a bit insane. And we were never told overtly that they wouldn't make production. But, I mean, I think we all sort of like, oh, that, that's going to be interesting if they do. And I think pretty clearly in these photos, we see that they have not. It's not possible, Kate. Yeah. It's not possible. Unless the other thing I would really... Transparent aluminum. Yeah, the other thing that, that really kind of agitates me, honestly, because I love these the, 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 the design of this car, and I understood the whole reason for their nuances and i'm not a design person by any means if you know people get that but the mirror location is now going to be lower on the door i loved it when it was higher on the mm-hmm. a pillar because it gave you the whole you know the whole door could be glass like you know the, the whole window is the whole frame of the a to b pillar right and now that they're putting this mirror on on the outside of the door it looks like Gabe, they had to put one of those little dummy triangles in the front it's either that or they're camouflaging me, and it's just that hopefully that's not the case. It could I, be. I mean, it could be camo. I, you know, that's, <sighs> it's one thing I will say. If, and that's one area where they could theoretically camo because that's something they could tack on at the last second, that mirror and the, and, the, and the A-pillar. Now, that said, I would be surprised if they ended up putting the mirror anywhere but where we see it in the spy photos. Which is so disappointing because that mirror up there on that A pillar was just sensational. Oh, it was sexy! I mean, it it made the car, if if possible, it made the car actually look lower than it already is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And and now it just looks like a. I mean, honestly, it kind of looks like an eclipse to me, like a Mitsubishi eclipse from well, the front, front yeah. third. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I won't say that. I won't. I won't go that far. It's. I, I'm not gonna. 
even if it did, I, I don't know if I'd say it yet until I saw it in person. That that scares. Well, me. yeah, you know, we we have, uh, but the rear still has the looks like it still has the aggressive mm -hmm. uh, tunnel arrow and and all that, which is going to be sensational. I, I mean, this car, from everything we've been told, is is really just BMW's take on a supercar, mm -hmm. and it's smaller than. Than you might expect too. I mean, looking at the wheelbase and looking at you know the car from a side view, it's actually not that big. No, it's it's not. And you know, with Lamborghini coming out with like the Aventador and all mm -hmm. these other supercars, you know, pricing around two hundred k. This you know this i eight is going to be similar, but they're going about it a different way. Well, the Aventador is what four hundred, I think. I mean, the the Gallardo. Yeah, yeah, like, the Gallardo is a cheaper one. But yeah, yeah. I, I do agree. But I mean, that's an all-carbon top too. So mm -hmm. no, that's true. That's actually very true. In fact, the only car that is going to be all-carbon that uh, outside of the i3 that's going to be a similar price is the McLaren. Right. Which is, I think, about 200k. Right. So the i8, the i3. I mean, we we're seeing this now as a as a test mule. Michael, when when do we expect to see these things break cover in production form? Well, the i3, the city car, is supposed to launch prior to the i8 supercar, the i8 plug-in hybrid, as it were. Mm -hmm. The i3 being all electric um, is, is targeted as a 2013 production. Mm -hmm. So we'll probably see those, uh, I would imagine, next fall, uh, yeah. this coming fall, 2012 fall. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see as a, in Paris. As a as a you know concept, light quote concept. unquote, light concept. The the other thing that uh, I'm looking forward to is actually the hybrid version of the i3 with the range extending motor, which with, is based on a uh, BMW motorcycle engine. Yes. Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting to me, and and if it operates as uh, as for instance the Chevy Volt operates, I think that is a really cool combination, and that is the intention. Um, to have it operate similar, you know, just it's you can never run off of the mm -hmm. the gasoline. It's it's only used for powering the generator. That's, well, that's and basically what that there. means is if if you only drive, let's say the let's say the um, the range is 120 miles or 100 miles even, and you drive you know 25 miles each way to work, so you've got 50 miles a day, and you charge it every night, you will never fill up the tank. That Never. gas that you left the dealership with will stay in that car infinitely. For eternity, yeah. No, and there actually may be a uh, <laughs> there may be some software involved with that actually to run that motor if there is gas in the tank. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure so, it actually starts up every once in a while. Yeah, and to make sure the fuel doesn't, you know, go stale on you. It's it's, it's gonna come with a, a bottle of stable. It's gonna just <laughs> just just run. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I, I'm actually very excited about the i3. Um, yeah. No, I am too. In fact, I was just thinking to myself, you know, in in a few years, if if I ever, you know, if I ever have, God forbid, three cars, uh, I've got the one I'm in the garage and some sort of wagon as a utility car, my city car, uh, the mini is a great choice, but the i3 to me is so much more practical. It is, you know, and I was just reading a story the other day, Gabe, about, you know, all these car companies are going nuts trying to lose weight in cars. There's a big problem, though. Even if they make the cars lighter, there's, there's, a, there's a variable that the car companies can't take into consideration, and it's not safety. It's called McDonald's and people getting heavier. <laughs> 
So even if car companies keep losing like 100 pounds, you get two people that are 50 pounds overweight, they kind of negate the whole point. That's interesting. Yeah, I forgot where I read that, but I was laughing. I was sitting here just laughing my ass off, Gabe. <laughs> well, um, there's not much they can do about that. So No. <laughs> so let's move on. I think I think the last thing that we wanted to chat about today, and we, we talked about it on on the site, um, BMW apps. You know, we, BMW apps is is something that we've we've really been excited about. The whole notion of decoupling technology from the automotive cycle, the you know that seven year production cycle, because of, of course the problem you know within seven years the entire technology world changes. So how can BMW offer? modern amenities or, or new technology and new options basically for consumers who maybe have a two-year-old car and they have an entirely new phone and an entirely new world that they live in and bmw apps is is really the answer to that and um of course one of the things that's interesting that came out and it really got us talking about this is the fact that bmw and I, I know that the, 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 the words and the nouns and, and the names here get a little confusing, but BMW Online, which is BMW's subscription service in the U.S., added a Yelp app that's built into the online service. And it's one of those, it, it was really a moment where we all sort of looked at each other and said, well, wait a second, wouldn't that be just a BMW app? And wouldn't that be a free update to what I already bought for $250? Yeah, and this is where it gets kind of sticky. It gets kind of sticky because it, what BMW Online, and that's a global you know, system, essentially. Um, it actually has some back-end servers and, and things like that where BMW sucks up some of the processing power so the car doesn't need to process all the information. And then it sends it to it in a, a simplified way, essentially, um, being web-based that also allows BMW to update quicker uh, whereas you couldn't update the guts inside the car as simply. So if you go online, they can just keep updating this, you know, web 2.0 site essentially mm -hmm. and, you know, add function to it. Um, now you're, everyone's probably like, well, why can't I just get that as an app? Sure. I mean, Yelp would have to agree to BMW doing that and they have to sit down and they have to do like a little, yeah, um, I, we want Yelp. Yelp says, well, we want $600 bazillion from you. BMW says, we'll give you 50 bucks. You know, and they have to go back and forth. And then they have to also have programmers write the code and all that. Now, if they're doing it online, basically, they're just setting up a simplified system. And it's not as... Integrates, basically. But, you know, I think that right. said, though, like, let's get aside from the fact that Yelp... I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense for Yelp to get into BMW. I'd be shocked if somebody at Yelp said, no, we do not want any part of this, or you know, we don't want to make it easy, or we don't want to reach a mass audience of BMW drivers. We just want to go with the people who spend $100 a year, which is, of course, a fraction of ownership, and aim at them first. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I mean, on top of that, for BMW to sell apps at $250 at the, you know, at the time of sale, something like Yelp is a, is a, is a great great um you know great piece of functionality to sell it with okay i i'm gonna be the negative person here and take the counter now gabe what kind of phone do you need to use apps currently because of, of course, android yeah. and android being locked um, in, in in the state of um 
not having a coherent system until recently of yes. communicating with third-party devices. So the iPhone, of course, is the only, or we'll just say an iOS device for, you know, for argument's sake, but an iPhone. For argument's sake. So you have to have an iPhone. Okay, iPhone share is, we'll, we'll give a, a rough number. I don't know the number. We'll say it's 15% of the market, even though it's, you know, total market. market. Sure. It's, okay, so total, so 15%. I mean, yes, a lot of people that drive BMWs have iPhones. It's kind of, you know, similar tastes and similar um, target market, I guess we could go with. But now, so you're targeting 50. So what about that 85% of people that are driving these cars that do not have an iPhone? So Joe Smith down the road here has this fantastic 7 Series. He has a stupid BlackBerry, which is going to go belly up in about six months because that's what work gives him. And he doesn't really need another phone. Because everybody has this BlackBerry and they BBM it. But here's so, here's my here's my question because I think you have a really good point. So what you're saying is it's 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 basically it doesn't matter. It decouples even from the phone. Yes. But the problem yes. I have with that is, well, why don't you sell that for two hundred fifty dollars, or why don't you make? I mean, this the, the problem that people have with BMW online is that a there's no compelling reason to even you know think about it. B I'm sure as hell not going to subscribe to it every freaking year I own the car. I mean, if I want to well, buy something, I want to buy it. Well, here's, here's the, the problem I, that, that goes along with that. Well, maybe in the future, BMW Online is included in the purchase of the vehicle. And okay. maybe in the future, hypothetically speaking, so all cars come standard with BMW Online because it is a global platform. It's just marketed under different names and different, you know, locales and possibly, Gabe, that this could be a way for you to get weather in specific areas and, and things like that. Um, and I don't really want to go any further than that, but, <laughs> but let's just say that BMW in Germany is working on LTE connectivity. So we in, talk, the in fact, I mean, when I, I think that's really interesting because when I had, um, you know, when I had uh, visited Munich and talked to a lot of the folks who were doing a lot of this work with BMW Connected and, and some of the folks who actually run it, the problem, the problem isn't processing power um, anymore. The problem is throughput. And as you know, Michael, and we've even yes. talked about this on, on the Bimmercast and, and Bimmerfile. So the throughput right now with Edge is just atrocious. I mean, it is, it is terrible. It is, it is laughable. It is embarrassing. And what BMW has done is they basically, they basically, you know, kind of bit their tongue and said, we're not going to go and change everything out to 3G. We're going to wait for LTE. And LTE is going to allow for data speeds of, I mean, at least 10 mega, mega, megabytes a second down and likely much, much higher as, as the network becomes more mature. And when you get speeds of that kind, when you get, you know, broadband speeds sent to your car, now you're talking about data that lives in the cloud and not in your car. Now you're talking about the ability to do pretty much anything. I mean, now you think about iTunes match in your car. You know, think about, I mean, this is my <clears throat> example, and I, I've been harping on iTunes match. I just love it so much. I have, you know, 80 gigs of music, but I have lots of different devices. Well, with iTunes match for 24 bucks a year, it just goes into the cloud, sucks all my music up, and I can play it on my my iPhone, which only has 32, 32 gigs. Or for instance, I could play it on my car, which only has, 
you know, God knows how many gigabytes are actually available to me for music. And, and now it doesn't matter. You know, the throughput really doesn't matter because it's, it's able to stream. I mean, God, I could stream video like nothing. Yes. So in the end, that's an easier system to work with in the future. I believe, I don't necessarily think that apps is going to be in is future proof. How's that sound? I mean, no, they're I working on, they're working on, they are working on more apps, obviously, because it, it is a, it's a great thing because it basically takes all the power from the car and you know gives the phone the power. But I think the this cool way. thing about apps is the fact that I can update it and I can create, I can, I'm sorry, not create, but I can, I can have new options available to me as new features come out. So Spotify has recently hit the U S market. Everybody loves Spotify. Well, when apps was released a year ago, nobody even knew what Spotify was. Well, what if in the next six months, Spotify uh, actually comes on board and becomes integrated into BMW apps? That is a great example of the reason why BMW apps needs to exist or, or it does exist, period. Right, because that's not something necessarily that would work with BMW online. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, it, it would work through the app you actually have on your phone. Right. Now, and theoretically, it could work within the dash, but I mean... There are certain things that I think do still make sense to have on your phone on a personal device that I connect to the car. The other thing that BMW apps needs to do is, and this is the first thing I looked at it, I plugged it, I'm like, why am I plugging this in? I mean, shouldn't we just be wireless at this point? One would imagine so. So either through Bluetooth, NFC, of course, most phones don't have NFC, or even in, you know, in-car Wi-Fi, I can't imagine that the connection from my phone to my car will not become completely wireless. I know you can stream Bluetooth. I do it all the time. My 1M has the latest whatever in it right now, and it works beautifully. The, the Countryman I have is, uh, does the same. But, you know, it, it doesn't allow for that last connection of either Mini Connected or BMW apps. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a Bluetooth protocol issue. Also, uh, you know, that, that that's where it gets really technical. It's what what Bluetooth allows mm -hmm. within its protocol for connectivity. Because um, for a while there was issues with connecting Bluetooth headsets to devices to listen to music and things like that. You well, know? and I think the other issue, and I just this is me thinking out loud here, but um, I wonder if if BMW is dictating that it has to be plugged in for safety reasons. Very well could be. Yeah, I mean, just a thought, but I certainly, you know, you, you, you give, you give a, a driver a really short USB cord and then you dictate that it be plugged in, you're pretty, much, you're pretty much dictating that they cannot use their phone while they drive. And the yes. app needs to be on. That's the other thing that's interesting. The app can't run in the background, so, which, which it should be able to, technically speaking. But it seems to me that BMW is saying, we want your eyes on the road. The whole point of BMW apps is that you are able to do what you need to do via the control, you know, module and the screen, and you can keep, you know, two hands on the wheel or more or less your eyes on the road. And I think that probably has a lot to do with it. A lot of this stuff is, you know, legal mumbo jumbo and crap we really have no idea about because of all the legal mumbo jumbo yeah i'm kidding that's true it's true there's a lot of there's a lot of backroom deals you always get the sense that um you know bmw and automakers have to endure to to get stuff to market so especially in the u.s 
Now, what is your dream app, Gabe? You know, my dream dream app is is definitely something around performance. I like that idea a lot. Um, I do think that it would be awesome to have better map integration. So I literally am, am I've got like my Google Maps app open on my iPhone and I have, you know, a destination and it immediately like pops up with, I don't want to have to like send something somewhere. I don't want to have to do any legwork. I just want it to work quickly. So you want to be able to just Google map from your phone to your car instantaneously. I, I want that connection between maps and, and the, you know, and the um, iDrive. Now the other thing that I think would be, well, that's, that's, uh, you know, not that that's coming because, um, the, the way all this crap works, if people haven't figured out, is one order manufacturer pays more money for a technology, gets it for six to eight months, and then it moves on to everybody else. So Audi's come out with Google Map integration and street level. So they've had it, I think, for three months. So another three, four months, we'll see somebody else get it. We'll just go with that. All right. Well, that'd count me in. Um, the other thing that I would love to have is BMW's remote app functionality that they have outside the US so I can actually remote start remote lock or unlock or even just find my car I mean this is this is simple stuff that is totally feasible that we cannot do in the US and I know that's not really kind of part and parcel with what BMW apps is right now but I think it should be part of it that kind of functionality I agree I don't understand why in the US you can't do that except for legal mumbo jumbo probably yeah. but you could, they, they've already written it, so it's not it's not the end of the world as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. So I think the other idea that I, I would love to see something, you know, performance related. Now, Mini Connected has a performance similar, you know, an app, right? Yeah, they do, and it's you know, it, it's kind of cool. I think I think the the big issue with Mini Connected and the way it's implemented is that. <sighs> It's not. Um, it's it's really designed to be overly cute. I mean, I, I to, to you know lack lack of a better term, it's designed to be overly cute and fun. And I think when when I'm sitting down and, and I actually want to engage with something at a, at a performance level, I want it to be pretty serious and I want it to actually look kind of performance oriented and I want real information. And I agree with you. We have a mini in the family now, and I can't understand the reason why I want to change my interior lighting to purple. <laughs> but, well, I can see red or orange, but I agree. Purple or anything else is a little much. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Mini, Mini tends to be bubbly and cute, where BMW is more business, you know, business and, uh, and get things done. So I, I would imagine that kind of app is in the works. Um, from everything I gather, it is in the works, and it should be, should be released soon. Uh, M is also supposedly working on some apps that are specific to M cars. Mm-hmm which will be performance-oriented as well. Well, I have to tell you, if, if something can work on my 1M, I would be internally grateful because that's one thing that I would love. I've got a big screen up there, just dying for some more readouts. Well, and, you know, the F30, the new 3 Series, the Sport line will feature a little horsepower torque mm -hmm. meter in, in the iDrive, that's which really, is built really in. Cool. That's really cool. Which, which is built in, but that is something they could definitely do, obviously, by an app. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Wow. So, Bimmercast number 58, I feel like we, uh, we've officially gone over our allotted time, as they say. Um, but I think, uh, I, think it's, I think it's really interesting. I mean, we've definitely kind of touched on something that a lot of folks are 
either getting annoyed or getting interested or just kind of getting aware of is, is this technology in cars and, you know, whether it be tied to my phone or just the car or whatever, uh, people are starting to have more expectations given the fact that the devices are becoming so much better outside the car. And to think people didn't want any of this in their car about what, five years ago? <laughs> well, I, I have to tell you, I mean, I'm looking at a bunch of 2008 wagons right now and, um, you know, looking at navigation is a must, but God, the navigation system before the upgrade was just so archaic looking compared to what it is now. It's, it's unbelievable the change they made. Yes. And it's just, just getting started. Just the, just the fact that you couldn't make your nav full screen is shocking to me. Yeah. Which was the stupidest decision they ever made. I mean, I just, it's unbelievable to me anyway. Um, so that's it. So we touched on Detroit, Geneva, uh, of course the three series. We, we talked a little bit about the, the M six and the BMW I cars that are forthcoming. And of course BMW apps. Um, so I think, uh, of course we're going to be probably next time you're going to hear from us is going to be from probably Todd and Matt at the North American Detroit auto show. Um, a few weeks after that, I will be actually test driving a uh, we'll just call it a hybrid of some sorts um and uh probably be doing a, a perhaps a bimmer cast and then shortly after that i'll be giving my own take of the new three series as well so you'll have uh michael uh your takes already been been given um you'll have my take and, and we'll kind of go from there and then shortly thereafter we're going to see the geneva auto show so lots coming up so with that said, this has been BimmerCast number 58. We hope to see you very, very soon. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, shoot us an email via the contact form or leave us a comment. Until next time, this is Gabe. Cheers. Michael, Prost. <laughs>